Hello and welcome to the Resilient in STEM podcast. My name is Jill Pastana and I believe that if we really want STEM fields to be diverse and inclusive, career advice needs to be tailored to those who have been historically excluded from STEM fields. STEM encompasses science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The truth is that from navigating everything from biases to systems and structures that were not built for us, we have extra challenges and barriers to thriving in our careers. My story is similar to so many others I've heard from people in STEM. I'm part of the 75% of female physics majors who experience harassment, and the career I worked so hard to achieve was nearly derailed when I was forced to leave my PhD program in material science and engineering. However, through a journey that was supposed to break me, I landed my dream job and developed resilience. When the pandemic started in 2020, I decided to spend my extra time in quarantine to found the STEM Thrive Guides to provide the support I wish I had throughout my education and career. Support for navigating all those difficult situations with inappropriate behavior and harassment at work and school. And here we are now with Resilient in STEM a podcast to share more information, resources, and conversations on those taboo yet important topics. Thanks for listening and being part of this community and mission. I want to start off this episode with a story. A few months ago, my coworker came into work despite both her uncle and her father passing away from COVID-related illnesses within weeks of each other. She openly shared what happened to her coworkers and her bosses, and she felt safe to do so in our workplace. And when I was talking to her on that day that she came in, I could tell that she was still in a state of shock and grief and didn't really know what to do. And as we were talking and I gave her my condolences, my sympathy, she explained how the day prior she had come into the office wearing two left shoes and kind of laughed about it. She didn't know what to do with herself just at home. She didn't want to stay home all by herself. So she came into work. And I just thought that spoke volumes about the workplace and how she felt so psychologically safe in that space. While she was excused from rigorous work, her coworkers and bosses told her to go home and, and take care of herself. But she came in anyway and she kept busy with simple tasks and just talking to people and getting that support. We were there for her and empathized with her situation, understanding that she was going through a difficult time and we didn't expect her to suck it up and go on as if nothing happened. Her job security wasn't threatened. Her performance review would skip this tough time. She was allowed to grieve and do what she could in the meantime. Allowances were made and communication was prioritized. Unfortunately, I feel like this story exemplifies something that commonly does not happen in a lot of workplaces, and that is that companies kind of see us like robots. We're not expected to have the wider range of emotions we have, and our workplaces don't necessarily validate our emotions around things. But we aren't robots, we're human. We have a wide range of beautiful emotions, all valid and normal. From happy to sad, angry to grateful, each and every one of our emotions is to be treasured, learned from, and used for our growth. 
Since I started the STEM Thrive Guides, I have heard too often for people who feel emotionally overwhelmed because of personal and professional circumstances and issues. They feel frantic searching for some quick fix way to overcome their emotions of grief, anger, or fear, especially since their school or workplace environments view these emotions as weakness or problematic. The truth is, in a healthy work environment, all the emotions we feel should be seen as normal and not looked upon badly by our coworkers, bosses, colleagues, and anyone else we come across in our work. A few years ago, I went through my own period of grief as I suffered intense anxiety and CPTSD. At the time, I felt lucky that I had supportive coworkers at the company I worked for and that while what I went through was incredibly hard, I could squeeze in enough time for self-care throughout my day so that I could survive. From my own experience, I learned many valuable lessons on how to navigate overwhelming emotions while maintaining a full-time job as a research scientist. The five tips I'm sharing today are the following. Number one, Locate safe spaces where you can go to break down and feel all of those overwhelming emotions. The second one is that in those safe spaces and at your workstation or desk, keep a self-care kit. The third tip I have for you is to inform at least those who need to know about your emotional state. And number four, prioritize your own wellness inside and outside of work and finally, learn coping techniques. Now these five key tips, I'm gonna go more in depth in a second, but I just wanna say first and foremost, this has been my life raft when my world was chaotic. And I find this advice in many different places, and so this is my own take on it. And when I share these with you, I want you to think about your own circumstance and what may be best for you. This was best for me, but it may not be best for everyone. So take what I say with a grain of salt and be free to experiment and see what works best for you. So the first tip for coping with emotional overwhelm at work and school is to locate safe spaces where you can go to break down and feel all of those overwhelming emotions. During my period of grief and anxiety, I had three key safe spaces I would retreat to. My car, an empty office in my office building, and the restroom. My car was by far the best because I could recline the seat and take a nap, cry, or meditate easily without being disturbed. Nearly every day at 3 p.m., I would take a 10 to 30 minute break and meditate either in my car or my second safe space, which was the empty office space. And the restroom was a great quick escape if I needed to catch my breath, but it would echo if I cried and people would enter it randomly. So it was not very private or reliable. If you're at a university, locate different offices where you may be allowed to take some quiet time to yourself. At one of my universities, there was a woman center with a nice couch, for instance. There may be spaces tucked away that you can claim as your own when you need them most. My second tip for coping with emotional overwhelm is that in those safe spaces and at your workstation or desk, keep a self-care kit. I am really excited to share this with you because I love my self-care kits. Uh, I think I'm genius for coming up with this. The first self-care kit that I built for myself is one I keep easily accessible in my bedroom for use during a panic attack. When I first made it, I was actually having a panic attack. And in that moment, I thought about which items 
I could use right then and there to ground myself and self-soothe. In the next moment when I could move and actually function, I quickly grabbed an empty shoebox that I had lying around and filled it with items like tea bags, photos that made me smile, my essential oils, and these funky diffraction grading glasses because every time I wear them, I see rainbows everywhere and I can't help but be amused. My self-care kit also grew to include a journal, my favorite pink sparkly gel pen, and other sentimental items that make me feel happy. Keeping a self-care kit on hand for when you experience overwhelming emotions can decrease the time of distress from hours to minutes. It does for me, for sure. It's easy to pack a small container of things that make you feel serene or happy in your car or at your work desk. I've since healed from PTSD and anxiety, but I still keep self-care items at my desk like a heating pad for period cramps. You're allowed to make your workplace comfortable and conducive to producing your best work. My third tip for coping with emotional overwhelm at work or school is to inform at least those who need to know about your emotional state. I hope you work in a healthy environment for this one. It's important to have that psychological safety at work, and part of that means sharing when there is something that may lead to a reduction in your performance and finding solutions. When I first started having anxiety and PTSD, I told a coworker who I knew I could trust about what I was going through so that at least one person knew what was going on if I had to spontaneously leave the workplace or if my symptoms got worse. I also told my boss, though I left out a lot of personal details surrounding why I was struggling. I kept it to only what I felt he needed to know. Both were understanding, thank goodness, and happy to step in and help provide accommodations if I could not keep up with my workload. Now, I had just come from a toxic work environment, and so at this point, I felt so lucky that I was in the kind of work environment that would support me, because the previous one would not have been so considerate. If you're the only woman in your team or company, or the only person of a specific demographic, it can be daunting to share your struggles for fear of being seen as problematic, or weak, or even fired. Remember, you are your own best advocate, and you do not have to share anything you are not comfortable with sharing. When I am in this situation, I draw strength and courage from remembering that my most important job, my most important job, is to ensure that I feel safe and comfortable at work or school, and to take care of myself. Note that whatever you are going through is a normal part of life. By reaching out, being vulnerable, sharing with supportive coworkers, you are not only ensuring your own psychological safety, but also deepening professional relationships. And you're also even allowing your coworkers and your bosses to be themselves. When you show up as yourself, you are showing everyone else around you that they can be themselves too. If anyone makes you feel lesser than for struggling, that is a reflection of their own issues and not you. It's important not to take it personally, though that can be difficult. My fourth tip for you for coping with emotional overwhelm at work or school is to prioritize your own wellness inside and outside of work. From the self-care kit to communicating to coworkers about your struggles and how that may affect your work, you are ultimately performing self-care. It's important to not stop there though, keep going. Get really focused on the things that have to get done and forget the rest. 
Minimize where you're spending your time and energy and use as much time as possible to self-care. For me, at my time of grief and anxiety and overwhelm, this looked like working 40 hours per week, no more, taking the breaks I'm allowed to at work and using them to meditate and eat, and after work doing nothing but taking care of myself. And oftentimes that just meant laying in bed doing absolutely nothing. I did not take on any professional development trainings or volunteer work. Actually, that's a little bit of a lie because I did cope by being a chair of a conference, but I had a lot of help and support for that. And so that I don't necessarily recommend everyone to do. But I did it. It happened. I did that. And then after that, I did nothing. But what I mostly did was I just focused on the present moment getting through each day and learning how to care for myself and heal. I attended therapy weekly, which I highly recommend, which helped me learn about different coping strategies. So focus on you and do the minimum at work and outside. My fifth and final tip for coping with emotional overwhelm at work or at school is to learn coping techniques. Everybody is different. Everybody is different. So no two people will have the same coping strategies that will work for them in their situation. The key is to be curious and experiment with different coping techniques until you find what works best for you. That's the key, stay curious. When I was at the height of coping with anxiety, I used my self-care kit for panic attacks, meditation about three times a day, 10 to 30 minutes per session, and breathing techniques to soothe my nervous system. I first started learning about meditation with the app Headspace, which was my 3 p.m. ritual every single day at work. I also had a Fitbit watch that I only used because it had this feature called breathe. When activated, it would pulse and light up indicating when to breathe in and out, leading me in a rhythmic breathing exercise. And this was a lifesaver. I would use this whenever I felt a panic attack coming on and it often stopped it in its tracks. I could even use it quietly at my work desk so nobody had to know that I was taking a five minute breather. There are so many different coping techniques and I learned just a handful in therapy and through YouTube videos too. Grounding techniques that root me in the present moment and in my body were the most helpful for my situation, but perhaps you may need something different. One of the most important things I learned is that just ignoring or brushing off an emotion was not the way to cope. There were some moments I had to brush off an emotion just to get through a workday, but I would write it down and remember later that day to really feel into that emotion so that I could process it and release it. When we cry in sadness or punch a pillow in anger, we are processing and releasing our emotions. This is essential to heal and move forward in a healthy manner. If you find yourself holding back tears, know that it's a good thing to cry and go to your safe space to release that emotion. Keep crying, keep processing that emotion. Now, I wanna conclude with something that I've learned through coping with these overwhelming emotions myself at work and at school. This is that as I healed from my anxiety and CPTSD, I restructured my life to be full of self-care and I deepened my relationships by sharing my struggles and connecting with others who are going through similar. 
These days, life seems so much more beautiful and profound than before my suffering. I found the beauty in suffering, in loss, and in grief, and the love that grew from the despair, love for myself, and the love for my friends and family. Know that whatever you are struggling to cope with will lead to valuable lessons and perspectives and will help you grow into your best self. And to conclude, I want to leave you with my favorite mantras for when I'm going through these overwhelming emotions. They are one day at a time and find the beauty in this tough emotion. And finally, this too shall pass. Change is the only constant, right? Things will keep moving, things will keep changing. That's the only thing that's inevitable. If you're like me, sometimes your anxiety and overwhelming emotions can lead to a lack of appetite or just the inability to even cook or thinking about cooking. And for that reason, I found HelloFresh to really help me when I'm struggling with anxiety. In fact, I use it pretty much every single week. And I used to be against thinking like, oh, I'm spending more money on this meal service. But the fact that it cuts away the time it takes for me to grocery shop and I don't even have to think about meals, I just go on my phone real quick, pick out my favorite meals that'll come in weeks to come when I feel like it. And then it's delivered on time every Friday for me. It's just such a nice thing to have and it's helped me regain the weight that I lost from having anxiety and just feel more healthy day to day. If you're interested in this kind of meal service, uh, there's not just HelloFresh, there's also other things out there, but I do have a code that you can use for, I think right now it's $100 off HelloFresh. And so you can see that in the show notes below. If you want to take advantage of that opportunity, try it out for yourself, see if it works for you. And I really hope it adds value to your life and relieves you of some of the suffering you're feeling in this time. It ended up helping me to a surprising amount. And I even like to cook now, which is so unlike me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this. I really hope it positively serves you. And remember, you deserve to feel safe and comfortable at your work or your school. And if you are being harassed or experiencing any kind of bias or discrimination, know that you're not alone and the STEM Thrive Guides is here for you. Please feel free to reach out. You can message me, visit our website, www.stemthriveguides.com. That's www.stemthriveguides.com. And you can find all the courses and resources there. This podcast is also in blog form at www.jillpastana.com. So at jillpastana.com, you can actually read this blog post. Thanks again. I'll talk to you soon.